Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. I have a high-energy conversation for you today. Dave Baranowski, a stewardship and development coach for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, joins us. Tom Crowley and I, from the Stewardship and Development Office here at the Archdiocese of Omaha, sit down with Dave, and we have an amazing, fast-paced conversation I just want to give you a little teaser here. Dave talks about the importance of waking up people's charisms as part of cultivating the stewardship. He talks about this amazing work that he does in parish basements, fully integrating evangelization and stewardship training. We're talking role-playing, teaching people how to pray. He really, at, at, at the end of our conversation, really, I think it hits a a climax when he talks about how giving can actually become again not just a transactional thing, but actually become an act of worship of mature disciples. It's a beautiful vision. They're doing cutting edge, fantastic things in cultivating stewardship and evangelization uh, in their parishes in St. Louis. We're going to link in the show notes to uh, my Catholic giving guide, the prayer process, and the evangelization starters that they incorporate into all of their evangelization training. You're going to love today's conversation. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Dave Baranowski, welcome to the EquipCast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to be here. Grateful to be here. Yeah, Dave, this is fun. We are together with our friend Tom Crowley. Tom, who is actually just down the hall with me here in the Chantry. Tom, how are you today? Great, Jim. Thanks, Dave, for being with us. You're welcome. Okay, so I feel this transparency need to just say we're relatively new friends, but we've had more than a few conversations yeah. Maybe because the last time we tried to record the EquipCast, it didn't quite work. So we're really excited, Dave, to, to be back with you. We're going to talk about stewardship and evangelization and finances and parish basements and all sorts of amazing stuff. But we always like to get started talking with our guests. We're like, just tell us our story. Who are you? When did you first encounter Jesus? Dave, what's, what's your story? Yeah, I'll get right to it. So um, Dave Baranowski, St. Louis guy, married 39 years, three great kids, cradle Catholic. Cards fan? Absolutely. St. Louis Cardinals fan and a Budweiser fan. I had a 30-year life at Anheuser-Busch prior to my uh, ministry here. So nice. I like everything red, Cardinals and Budweiser. So everything's good. Hey, you would fit in very well in Nebraska. So, yeah, exactly. Very good. Been in Nebraska several times. So to get right to the heart of it, my mom, I'm 62. My mom died when I was 44. I was going through kind of a little faith reversion three years after my mom died. I, uh, I miss my mom so much. I'm 47 years old. I can't, I, I just missed her tremendously. I'm getting back involved in, in, in our parish ministry type stuff. Our pastor invites me to go on a men's retreat at the, it's called the White House Jesuit Retreat Center here in mm-hmm. St. Louis. Over there. Mississippi. Gorgeous. Beautiful. I don't realize it's a silent retreat. I go. I'm trying to now talk myself, I'm trying to talk my way out of going on this silent retreat. That's ironic, Dave. Our father, Kubicki, our uh, spiritual director, said this one thing that, that was the life-changing moment. He said, 
Take this time over this next three days and listen to what God has to say to you. And I will tell you guys, in my 47 years to that point, I was so self-centered, so selfish. I never asked God once in my life. Mm. You know, I prayed all the time. I negotiated with God. Right. right. Yeah. You know, that, that's how I prayed. So I did. I, I listened. And, and God spoke to me. And I over those three days, I prayed for all, all the people I'd met in my life. And I had this profound experience at the 12th mm. station of the cross where Jesus is crucified. Jesus is telling me, Dave, I'm the one that's given you all your all these people, all these gifts in your life. Mm. And honestly, guys, the switch was on and my life has not been the same. So wow. I was I, I was at Anheuser Bush for another four or five years. I was able to get an early retirement thing. And then by our newspaper here in St. Louis, the Catholic newspaper does ads. I answered an ad in the St. Louis Review, our Catholic newspaper. My wife is laughing at me. She says, because Dave, I know you're all back into God, but they're not going to hire you. You're, you're like this guy. Well, <laughs> I got hired. And now almost 11 years later, I've been the steward in the stewardship ministry for the archdiocese. So it, again, it, it's just recognizing God's presence in your life, right? It, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I, and, and I love every day and like meeting you guys. It, this is yeah. the, the gifts, the fruits of this job. So that's, that's me and in, in my faith life in a nutshell. Wow. That's awesome. So stewardship, discipleship, evangelization in St. Louis. Let me give you a little bit more setup in St. Louis. We have 178 parishes. Uh, so where, where I'm located kind of in the central part of the diocese, mm-hmm. two hours North, two hours West, two hours South. Okay. And, that, and then we have the Mississippi river on the east side, that's that's our diocese. So I can get to all the parishes very quickly. Is it mostly urban and suburban? Yeah, yeah. urban, suburban, and a lot of rural. Really? Okay. Once you get out of kind of St. Louis County, like literally a half hour, you're, you know, we say you're in the country. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in the country. That's very similar to the Archdiocese of Omaha. 144 yeah. parishes, urban, suburban, and a fair amount of rural parishes. Yeah, I would say at least a third of our parishes are what I would call, you know, rural parishes. You know, we have inner, in, in downtown, we have inner city parishes. So we've got, mm-hmm. we got the whole gamut. Yeah, that's awesome. So we have 178 parishes. I've been fortunate. I've been actually, I've actually been to 156 of the 178 parishes over the that's last fantastic. almost 11 years. And the beauty of that is I've got to meet a lot of our priests, a lot of our parish leaders, I think I have a pretty good pulse on, on what's going on here in St. Mm-hmm. Louis anyway. And, and one of the things that I've seen, so this, this is like the thing. So I'm in the stewardship thing for a while. A few years ago, you know, I, I get called back to parishes after a few years. Hey, Dave, come back, come back, help us out. We want to get restarted. So I started thinking of this. Why aren't we bearing, why isn't stewardship bearing good fruit? So I, I read the pastoral letter, stewardship, of, uh, disciples response. I read that a lot for inspiration. And as I'm looking at the title of the book, and I, and I have to, this is my little joke about the, the letter. They call it a pastoral letter, but it's actually a 76 page book. So the book, the bishops kind of, they trick you a little bit there. It's not a letter. It's a book. So anyway. Yeah. Well, when bishops write letters, they use ink. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, it's a, it's a big book. So I'm looking at the title, the stewardship, a disciple's response. And, and the Holy spirit puts his head, this thought in my head, Dave, We've got to be disciples before we can be stewards. Yes. And, and I think in St. Louis, that's that's the issue. I, I think yeah. many of us were we're not or we're barely disciples. Yeah. And we're certainly not mature disciples, as it talks about in the uh, pastoral letter. So that got me thinking then about okay, 
this connection between kind of our discipleship, stewardship, and then the other dirty word, evangelization, right? These three, yeah. these three things. And, and really, if you think about it, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship with the Holy Trinity, with the saints and the angels, and then it's about relationship with each other. So it, it got me thinking this stewardship messaging is really falling on deaf ears because we need to work on people's discipleship. We, we need yeah. to work on people's discipleship. I love that. I feel like you and I and, and Tom connected very quickly about that because I, yeah. I had, I, like, I love your story. I had a very similar conversation with a staff member at a parish. They were in the middle of a big capital campaign and it was not going well. And this was a parish that was famous for their f- faithfulness to a, a stewardship way of life, cultivating that language and the habits within the parish. Really beautiful work. And the kind of key moment in this conversation with this staff member over lunch was, well, you know what the document says, right? You know, stewardship, a disciple's response. Maybe the problems with stewardship is that they're just not quite disciples yet. Right, exactly. And it was just like this. So I, we had very similar, I mean, this is fun to watch the way the Lord works, very similar experiences. This is actually the 30th anniversary of that document. November of this year will be the 30th anniversary of, of that document. So anyway. That's right. So can you talk a little bit about just explicitly how are stewardship, discipleship, and evangelization linked? Because you're saying like they go together, wait, one was missing. Just talk about chronology, talk about foundation. How do these things fit together? Sure. So stewardship, or excuse me, discipleship, quite honestly, you know, that's simply being a follower of Jesus, right? We're a follower of Jesus. So if we're if we're truly a follower of Jesus, hopefully we're growing in relationship and hopefully we've had, you know, the, the, the encounter, right? This is the first step. We've had an encounter and then we've had multiple encounters. This isn't just a one-time step, right? Well, I think Jim and Tom, I just turned 62. When I went to grade school, St. Andrews in, in, in St. Louis here, I remember Sister Josephine in first grade saying, if you don't go to church every Sunday, you're going to go to H-E double toothpicks, right? So for 47 years of my life, I went to mass because I feared hell, right? I went out of obligation and not out of love, right? Then I somebody invites me on a retreat, right? And kind of grudgingly I go and I literally open myself, okay, God, you know, Lord hit me. And he did, <laughs> you know, he, he hammered me. I mean, in a good way. And so now I've yeah. got this, re- now I've got this relationship, right? So now, now I talk to God, the father, I talk to Jesus, I talk to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's very, and I found the more personal that I get, just like we're talking, the more personal that I talk, the more I get back. What people I don't think understand about prayer, I think many people see prayer as a one-way street where I pray to God, right? And mm-hmm. then I hope he answers me. But really, as we pray, as we just pray being simply talking and listening, it actually is a two-way street. The more we pray, it actually opens us up to receive, right? Because a gift really isn't a gift Mm -hmm. until we receive it. People can give us stuff, but if we don't accept it, it's not a gift. So I I think this is the idea with prayer. Well, how is this a a gift? Well, we, we keep going one way. We keep, God, do this, do this. I pray for this, pray for that. But we really don't open our hearts to actually receive. When we open to receive, that's when the gifts start, because that's when God starts filling us right. with the Holy Spirit, through conversations with our friends, through looking at nature, through, through all these right. beautiful things. So then as I grow in relationship, the first thing is, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> thank, 
right? Gratitude. Gratitude. This is, so this is the stewardship thing. Gratitude and generosity. I, oh my gosh, thank you for everything. I see, now I see everything as a gift. When I, when I, when I start praying and I open myself to receive God's grace, now I see everything as a gift. And if, so Jim and Tom, if we were sitting together and I gave you, we're sitting, say, uh, I, I, I buy you guys a Budweiser, right? We'll use right, yeah. buy you guys, guys a Budweiser. What's the first thing you're going to say? Thank you. Thank you. Right? Thank you. So this idea of gratitude and generosity, this is, this is the cycle. This is what God has built in us, right? We're made in his yeah. image and likeness. When people are grateful, their next thought is, I want to share. Yeah. And then when I share it, then people say, thank you. And then they share it. And it becomes this contagious wheel, right? So then this rolls into evangelization. When I'm in the ministry, when I'm, when I'm using my charisms, my gifts of the Holy Spirit in the way God intended, now I can't, I love sharing my story, right? When I'm in love with, when I'm in love with somebody, I want to talk about it, yeah. right? Our wives, our children, our grandchildren, we, we want to talk about it. Well, this is the same thing with God. When I'm in the right ministry using those charisms, I want to talk about my love for God. So it's easy to evangelize. Yeah. It's really simple, to be honest with you. So let me see if I can break down what you just said there, the the timeline, see if I, that, that like, it's a cycle. You make disciples by evangelization, right? Evangelization is how we make disciples. And when a disciple is made, there's real prayer, real openness, real talking with God. Like that's a mark of authentic Christian discipleship. And when we do that, the Lord comes to us, he fills us, he gifts us. And the natural response to our now being aware of what the Lord was always trying to do is gratitude. And from that gratitude, stewardship overflows, evangelization overflows, and then the the cycle continues bigger and broader with more and more people's lives being changed. So so then let's go to today. So today's church, I'm going to talk about St. Louis. Most of the people that are going to mass are my age and up. Right. Mm-hmm. There are, are, are maybe a little younger. I'll, I'll say, you know, mid 40s, 50s and up are going to mass on a regular basis. The problem is then most of those people are like me. They're going out of obligation and not out of love. And most right. of our faithful Catholics have never encountered Jesus. Right. right. We talk about this. So this I, when we say we well, have to evangelize, they say, oh, no, brother. Right. The priest does that, right? They, they don't get it. So this is this is the problem that, yeah. that in St. Louis that we're having anyway, is that most of the faithful Catholics don't see evangelization as their as their role. Right. That that's the priest's job. So in, in our stewardship training, how do we help people open up to help just share their faith story? Just simply help mm-hmm. help them open them up to different ways of maybe talking to God. They're sharing their faith story because we need to make these disciples. The key is making them disciple makers. This is how we're going to grow. So don't worry about the thousands of people that you don't know. If all the mature disciples just worked on their circle of influence and shared ways how they pray. Hey, this is is simply what I do. Share their faith story because God, as as we all know, God fills us with the supernatural joy, right? The supernatural peace that people are attracted to. That's why they want to talk to us. It's like, Dave, man, we got all this stuff going on. What, why are are you the way you are? Well, here's why. Because I trust God's going to take care of me. And I talk to him every single moment throughout the day. 
David, I just to highlight what you're saying here. I mean, it's so simple and maybe it's common sense, but it's certainly not common practice. You're saying your stewardship training and formation begins with evangelization, helping people get in touch with the Lord, get in touch with their story, the gratitude of what he's done in their life, which is not lost on me, the rhyme between your own story, right? Right. uh, At the 12th station. And that's kind of the foundation of your stewardship training. Yes. So um, one of the coolest things that we do here, one of the, is we, we encourage parishes to have parish ministry leader meetings. So, so think about this. When I worked in the corporate life, we had staff meetings all the time, but in St. Louis anyway, very few parishes, I'll say none, brought all of their ministry leaders together. You know, not, not a couple, but all of them, mm. every single one of them, because what happens or my, my experience and what I've seen is when people get invited to be in ministry and especially to lead it, they rely on their talents and their skills. Mm. This is different than my charism, right? We all were given talents and skills. Well, our talents and skills can be used for good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. My charisms of the Holy Spirit can only be used for good. So what happens is, how many people do you know that love? Their, now, I'm going to, people that are, are in the secular world, working for the church is a little different, but people that are in the secular world love their jobs. Very few. I know very few people that love their job. Most of my friends tolerate their job because they have to pay the bills and make money. And many of my friends hate their job. Well, they didn't work at at Budweiser like you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I was fortunate. I was lucky to work at a great place like that. Yeah. So now I'm a finance guy and now I'm going to do finance in my parish. But you know what? I really, I just do finance because it pays the bills. So why would I Mm -hmm. take that same attitude in my Mm. church and think that I'm going to bring people to Christ. I'm not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be pushing people away. So we need to help people discern what's my charism? What is that gift from the Holy Spirit? Is it being a greeter? Is it being a lector? Is it singing in the choir? Is it technology? Is it a craftsman? Is it Mm -hmm. organizing things? Is it whatever that is? Then do that. Too many people rely on their skills and, and talents Mm-hmm. Instead of relying on their charism. So I, I tell people now, when you're invited to join something at your parish, the first thing you should do is walk into your beautiful church, fall on your knees and say, Lord, they just asked me to join the stewardship committee. Is this what you're calling me to do? Yeah. Right. And ask other people, when you look at me in, in the church setting, what do you think are my strengths? Now, there are also tools. I mean, there are tools you can help people discern what gifts are and we, and we should use those. And we have right. those in St. Louis. So that, that's where we help people. Mm-hmm. But this idea of discernment, because if you think about it too, when somebody asks you to join something, there's a level of pride and ego that goes into this, right? Oh, sure. I just joined the parish. Father wants me to be on the finance committee. Eh, they see how smart I am. There's a little power that goes with this. This drives a lot of people. So what happens is, and then when I don't have term limits on my ministry, which many parishes in St. Louis did not have years ago, right? Now I'm in this. Now I'm the finance guy for 15 years. Now it's become the agenda of Dave. Well, <laughs> and, and our own identity, so that the thought of stepping off the finance council is unbearable. Because, like, but that's who I am. Right. We 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 do everything for the glory of Dave and not for the glory of God. So this is another reason why we need termed three-year term limits on ministry leader spots. It was probably a little longer than you wanted, but that that's the connection 
that I see between these. And, and really, I think it is easy. Jesus made this easy. He didn't make this hard. He, yeah. You know, the, the other thing that I noticed in St. Louis, too, is everybody wants training. We've got to, tr- we need training. We don't have training. And the goal is we, we, you've already got it, right? So this parish leadership ministry meeting I was talking about before I went off on another tangent, we bring all the ministry leaders together in parishes and we try to help them simulate walking someone, accompanying someone on their faith. So there's a module on building, building trust, right? We do this. Then there's a module on sharing our faith. And then there's a module on reading scripture and sharing your thoughts. So kind of, if you think about it, you got a buddy that's curious about the faith, but they're not in the faith. Well, you're, you grow in friendship first, right? The yeah. first thing you do is you don't invite them to mass, right? Because they don't understand what the heck's going on. Right. Or to be on the stewardship committee or right. to give to the right. annual appeal. Right. But, but you, you build friendship, right? Yeah. And as you build friendship, this, this openness turns into curiosity, and then, the, then, they, then they're more curious about your life. They start asking questions. You start sharing faith. And at some point, you get to the invitation, right? So in this parish ministry leadership meeting over like three hours, we simulate what might take a year in like three hours. And the beauty of this is mm-hmm. we, we give a little bit of instruction, but then we've got discussion. Qu- we break them yes. into small groups. Yeah. And then they start talking. And I, I literally two weeks ago, I just had my last one at Mary Queen of Peace in Webster Groves. I walk in and, and what we do, too, is we put people in tables of four, four men or four women. And I, I found this is the best way to do small faith sharing. Yeah. Men or women. Well, I will tell you, the 36 people that were there didn't like the fact that I was rearranging where they were sitting. As a matter of fact, I was getting the stink eye for most of them, right? But I said, just hang in there, hang in there, and you'll understand. So we did this. So I give a little bit of instruction, some questions, and I'd literally walk out of the room. And they'd go, but Dave, we, we need more training, right? I'd walk out, and when you come back, they're fully engaging each other, right? Yeah. You just need a little bit of direction. You don't need all this training. Yeah. This is the crutch that most parishes use. We got to be trained. We need a yeah, yeah. eight step, da, da. No, you don't. You, everybody's got it. We just need a couple a couple steps and somebody to point them in the right direction. Dave, you're blowing my mind here because what you're saying is, okay, one, my stewardship training is actually evangelization training. And my evangelization training is not just me talking at people. It's just a very simple role play reminding people what they probably learned right at summer camp, right? This is how you make friends. This is how you share the story of this person named Jesus you met. This is how, this is how you invite someone to hear his voice in the scriptures with you. And you let people kind of self-discover in conversation and through an experience, which again is the best way to train. So, and, 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 and it's all very simple. And then the, the end of it is the, the go forth part is the apostolic part is, okay, now everybody, we've given you a little how to do this. Go find three people and do it. Now, I feel like I can read Tom's mind here because I love, <laughs> right, that we're talking about evangelization uh, and evangelization training. But we said from the very beginning that these things are, are linked I want to give space for Tom to ask a question here yeah. about about stewardship. Yeah, Dave, I just have to say what what I love about the uh, parish leadership training uh, meeting, and, and I know we we talked about it a little bit here, but you're really breaking down the silos. 
You're breaking down yeah. silos between evangelization, discipleship, and stewardship. And let's face it, you know, our offices for many, many, many years, in, and I'm talking about the Curia, we lived in silos. So the yeah. evangelization lived in the evangelization world, the discipleship and the ministry world, they lived in their own world. And stewardship lived in our own world. And we reinforced that in our parishes. And mm -hmm. so now we're trying to break that down. And I want to just say, you know, they talk about we have to model the change that we want to see. And so I, I just compliment you and what St. Louis is doing. I love that idea that our training and stewardship is evangelization. Our training and formation and discipleship is stewardship. It, it's yeah. all it's all together. In a parish, how do we build a path of holiness for everybody? Right. How do we help everybody just take that next step to Jesus? And it's real simple then. Right. Then I, then I don't have to get real siloed. Right. How do we help everybody just take that one next step on this path of holiness? To me, that seems to be easy for everybody to understand. It's truly honoring. It's honoring every every charism. I, I remember having a conversation with a, a young yeah. mother uh, recently and. And we had invited her to be a part of a, a, a stewardship initiative that we have here in the Archdiocese. She said, well, well, what can a young mother really bring to stewardship? And I said, you know, your gift of motherhood, your gift of parenting, your gift of uh, your faithful witness in terms of passing on your faith to your children, that's truly what it's all about. Yeah. So honoring her holiness, honoring that charism, honoring and empowering people, right? No matter how small or how large their charism might might seem to be. Yeah, I mean, stewardship is for every disciple, not just right people who happen to wear a suit to the office or, you know, have a have a large bank account. And it's for kids too. This is yeah. where we this is where we fall down. We need to start with our kids. <laughs> this we need to we need to train our children in stewardship. We fall. Many parishes fall down. Are you able then to communicate that to the parishes to the degree that there's less of this culture of paying the bills and more of a culture of living the mission? Is that do you see that message coming across? I see it more now than I did ten years ago. Hmm. But uh, of uh, but that's the least developed area within this culture of stewardship within parishes is is the kids. We're still at many points. We're still we're trying to get to the young adults. I mean, we haven't worked mm -hmm. our way back to the kids yet. We're still trying to get that 25 to 35 group registered in their parish. Dave, talk about the response you've seen. And I'm thinking in particular, pastors, maybe I won't, I won't name numbers, but like the age group that tend to be kind of the pillars of the community. They tend to be your the, the ones on the finance council, on the stewardship committee, on the pastoral council, staff members. What kind of response are you getting? Yeah. In St. Louis, we have areas like uh, growth areas. And mm -hmm. so it really depends what kind of area I'm in. Because some of the areas where people or parishes are growing, I will see a range of people. You know, I'll see mm -hmm. people in their late 20s into their 60s, 70s. But then certain parishes, you know, I, it's only people in their 60s and 70s mm -hmm. uh, that you see. So it really depends on kind of the demographic. But the key, what I found is I, I'm trying to look at people less by age and more just by where they're at on their path of holiness. Yeah. Because the 29-year-old the, the kid that's on fire for Christ a lot of times has more in common with the 70-year-old lady that's been mm -hmm. on fire forever, right? They actually have more in common than 
yeah. her, her 70 year old peers. So that's what actually what I see is, yeah. is where, where are people in their path of discipleship? They actually have more in common with each other than by age. Yeah. So, which, which is helpful then because I have also found that sometimes recruiting peer to peer doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Where it, it's, it's really, I, if I have, if I've got an on fire disciple that's in their twenties or thirties, maybe that's the person that needs to go out and, and, yep. and start spreading the message. So it's not always age related. It's really more where I'm at on my journey in my path to holiness. Dave, say more of that. Cause that is, that is just mind blowing for people. I would think you're saying like, yeah, we normally say, oh, birds of a feather flock together. Let's get the, let's get people together by age group. And you're saying like, no, let's get people together or let's let kind of our momentum build based off where people are at in their discipleship journey. Yeah. So think about it. So if, if, wouldn't it be awesome if, if you got all your disciples, your mature disciples together, when I say mature on their path, not by their age. Right. And then we have different age groups. We have men with the women because in St. Louis, mm-hmm. 80% of the folks, it, it's women. Right. But we're having more men. More men are, are joining, are, are participating. And, and then culture, you know, uh, Hispanic, and I'm going to use all the wrong words, but, you know, the black, white, brown, green, purple, pink, you know, all the different people that we have. Right. right? It, 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 so it's not how they look or age or demographics or skin color, but their path of discipleship. Because right. if you think about it, that's the best team. The best right. team is having everybody, everybody covered, right? Yeah. Well, and the faith cuts across and unites all the demographic categories. Yep. When other people see mature disciples talking to people of different age, race, gender, they're like, oh, now I get it. We, I just read this cool little quote by Archbishop Charles Chapeau. He said this, if we are holy, others will be more easily, will more easily hear their call to holiness. If we are holy, mm. others will more easily hear their call to holiness. I love, I just read it this yeah. morning. I love that because it's by our example, right? It, it's by our mm-hmm. example. So as we don't put judgments you know, because we're in this whole, the way our culture is of mm-hmm. conservative, progressive, Democrat, blah, 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 blah. You know, we label people and labeling people actually, it makes it easier for us not to deal with people. That's why people label people because not have yeah. to deal with you. Oh, you're, you're a conservative, you're a progressive, you're a whatever, and I'm the opposite. So now I don't have to deal with you. Well, yeah. That's not what God called us to do, <laughs> right? That's not what God called us to do. I was at a meeting on Friday. They were talking about St. Ignatius. And they said, even when we start naming animals, like they said, the word a, a bird, a robin, mm-hmm. once you name something, you look at it completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Once you put a name to something, I don't see it as an individual. I see it as a collective group. And that, that got me really thinking about that. And that's what we do in society, right? We, we label things. Because now it's easy for me to deal with, and I don't have to deal with people one-on-one. Well, that's the opposite of discipleship. Mm. Our faith grew by one-to-one conversations. I went to an evangelization seminar uh, several years ago down in New Orleans. And the, the, the point was, you know, Jesus talked to thousands of people a few times. Mm-hmm. He talked to hundreds of people a few more times. But most of Jesus's ministry was one-to-one. Mm. Right. And, and we've gotten away from that. 
right? We, we, we've got into the, the, you know, the old term of mass marketing. We've gotten into this mass marketing. No, this is all about personal mm-hmm. relationship, growing in relationship with each other, right? And that's where, that's where the love. So, so let, me, let me throw this one at you. This idea of, of relationship, our Archbishop Carlson, when he was here a few uh, before he retired, he wrote a pastoral letter on reconciliation. And somebody asked him about hearing confession. And he said, 99% of sin is pride. 99, oh. most of it is pride. Most of it is pride. Well, the opposite of pride is humility, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not something that we cultivate in our, in our society. So in this little workshop that I was talking about, the idea is if we can, if we can build trust, right? If, so the idea, we're friends because we trust each other. Yeah. I believe in God because I trust him, right? I, I, I'm growing in friendship. Well, before we can grow in trust, we have to, we have to humble ourselves, right? I got to share mm-hmm. some things with you about, hey, man, this is my weakness. I need you. You know, when we humble ourselves to each other, this builds trust. So think of this path of discipleship. So I'm, I'm spiritually curious. I'm going to lead to discipleship, stewardship, evangelization. So think of, think of this now. In this friendship stage, I need to humble myself when I, when I meet somebody. If we're going to really be friends. Mm-hmm. We share stuff, right? That humility now grows into trust. Hey, I can, I can tell Jim or Tom anything, right? And they're not going to tell everybody about it. Now, this trust grows into love, right? This, or this trust grows into friendship. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This trust grows into friendship. So now we become friends. And now our friends, as we're, as we're sharing things, we're, we're helping each other on stuff here on earth and on, and on gaining treasures in heaven. Now we, we get that feel you, right? We get that, that brotherly love for each other, right? So now that brotherly love, ultimately, the, the, the high point of this is mercy. So now we, we've grown in friendship, in brotherly love for each other. And now Dave does something stupid to you. You know, Dave mm-hmm. does something stupid to Jim, right? And I, and I beg your forgiveness. And Jim says, okay, you don't deserve it, but I forgive you. This is what Jesus did. So this, this is how this, this path of holiness kind of goes with the way we grow in yeah. friendship with people too. It, 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 it's really easy, I think. So Dave, I have to ask the hard question though. Like it just, yeah. if I can play the, a little bit of the devil's advocate, like I, I love this. This is, I mean, it's deep. You're just talking about kind of the timeless teaching of the church on evangelization, which admittedly we're all kind of rediscovering. I mean, if we could like, kind of like imagine, you know, most of our listeners are not cynical, but let's say the one of, right. The one of you that is cynical is saying, yeah, but how does this translate to better giving? <laughs> That's why we started a stewardship committee. We we want people, and yes, we want them to give joyfully and to give for themselves, but like, we really, like, we're in trouble. We need more givers. How does this translate? I mean, it's not, that's not really what it's about, but how does it actually translate back into stewardship and people giving on themselves? So when I meet with pastors and ministry leaders before we get rolling uh, with a stewardship initiative in a parish. That's a, Dave, how do I get more butts at, at the seats at church? How do I get more volunteers? How do I raise more money? And my response is, if that's your goal, this isn't going to work, right? This is, this is about wow. relationship. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing. If that's your goal, then you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy because until we start building relationship, none of this other stuff's going to work because everybody sees it as a ploy. Everybody's getting inundated with requests. And why I give is because there's a connection. This is why people give to organizations. Somehow they've made a connection. Wow. So you're like, I, we're not even like, if it's all about money for you, 
we're just not even going to go there. We're not right. We're not then then call somebody else because here's the thing. Fundraising is different than stewardship. Yeah. Say say more about that. It's completely different. And here's where many parishes in St. Louis, we have become dependent on fundraising. So fundraising means I'm going to give $200 a head. Me and my wife are going to go to the parish auction. $200, I get a nice meal. I get to hobnob with father. I get some nice drinks, some nice food. And I get a chance to bid on some cheap vacations and Cardinal Ball tickets, right? Mm -hmm. The, all we're doing is in reinforcing this consumer mentality, right? Yeah, transactional giving. Exactly. We're, we're, in, we're, we're reinforcing this consumer mentality. Stewardship is I give without expecting anything in return. I give yeah. to people that I don't know because I'm not expecting anything in return. I give because it's the least of my brothers. I'm, I'm, I give because I'm trying to imitate Christ, right? Yeah. Not because I want to get something back or I get a good discount parishes. And, and this kills priests. It, I, they hate when I talk like this, but well, Dave, <laughs> we, we raise, you know, $300,000 at our parish auction. Okay. But how is your offertory? How the real goal of this is yeah. my offertory at mass, my offertory and offertory, not just being that. And you said it, Jim, my financial transaction with God, that's right. what I'm talking about. The offertory is I am uniting myself. I am giving myself yeah. united with Christ and sacrifice on the altar, my whole self, not right. just my money and all that other stuff. And people don't realize when the bread and wine and my, my envelope, or if I give electronic, whatever that is, when that goes up, that represents my whole self, not just yeah. my little treasure that I'm stingy with because I'm really stingy with my treasure. Yeah. What, like, what if our giving? were actually an act of worship. We'd be building more churches. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. That's beautiful. Oh. We, we, would be, we would be building more churches. But unfortunately, the, the point then with kind of bring this back with stewardship, many people, we have our gifts. Of, so time, talent, and treasure is used. In St. Louis, we use the words prayer for time because that's really what it is. Our, our time with God is prayer. Mm -hmm. Talent, we use participation because that's really our ministry participation. And then treasure, uh, Archbishop originally came up with the word payback, but that's, a na you know, that's nasty. So that became <laughs> generosity. So we use the words prayer, participation, and generosity because we found people know what that means. Yeah. When I say time, talent, and treasure, that's Catholic corporate speak, right? That's code from about to shake you down for a bunch of money, right? Whether you want to or not, right? <laughs> so people recognize this. So when we use prayer, participation, generosity, people understand. So how this is connected, where this comes back. Many people, God wants us to be generous with all of our gifts, not the one or two that we pick and choose, but all of our gifts. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, when it comes to sharing, most of us pick the path of least resistance. We pick the path that's going to cause the least sure. discomfort, right? We pick the thing that we have the most of, that I have excess of, that I don't really right. care about. And just give from our surplus. Right. But that's not, that's not stewardship. Stewardship is giving everything and especially the one thing that got, that means the most to you. So that's different for everybody. Yeah. So for me, that's money, right? Hey, hey, I'll pray. I'll join every prayer group you got. I'll be there. Participate. I'll be there. I'll, I'll sign up. But my money, oh, brother, that's a whole nother deal, right? Mm -hmm. That's the one for me. God's saying, Dave, let go. Detach, right? Detach. Right. 
Yeah. And that's that's different. That's so that so that's where we help people discern. This is where it all comes back then is how do I help people pray better? God, what do you want me to what do you want me to do with my gifts? Help people discern their talents. What ministry should I be in? Right. Because when I when I recognize gifts, the generosity part comes out and and really it does affect how much money I, I give. Okay, Dave, this is beautiful stuff. Our time is flying here. I want to give Tom an opportunity to just like set you up, right? Just just do a little kind of breakdown here because, you know, because Tom plays this role similar to you uh, here in the Archdiocese. He helps parishes think through when they have questions about stewardship. He helps expand their mind. Okay, what do we really mean by stewardship? And, And it has to rest on discipleship, which begins with evangelization. Tom, set us up here with some practical questions here to to close out our time well dave you you encounter these these situations all the time but you know i i've encountered issues situations where we want to your point about communicating how important it is to share our prayer our participation and our generosity to to go beyond simply the like you say the catholic speak of time talent and treasure and but i think it how do you persuade father joe to to really take that leap of faith. How do you, to say that this is not just, a, we're not just going to do an offertory, increased offertory program. Uh, we're not just try here to try to get to, to raise money for the new church tower, repair the bell tower, but we're here to really invite people into a, consider their prayer, their participation and their generosity as a whole. How do you do that? Yeah, so, so this is the way it kind of works. So. I get a call from a parish. If it's a parish lay leader, the first thing I do is I call the pastor to make sure that, hey, you invited me to talk about stewardship. Are you on board? Because I will tell mm-hmm. you, if the pastor's not on board, don't do it. It, it ain't going to work. Yeah. More times than not. So the, the, the initial conversation is usually with father and, and a couple of ministry leaders. And then I just kind of what we're talking about here, this path of holiness. And, and usually that's, that's the part for most pastors, right, that gets them. Like, how, how do we help that relationship with God. So then what we do is father will have a weekend where he talks specifically about stewardship within his homily. Then I, then I go to the parish the next week Mm -hmm. and I have like a five to six minute talk. I do it on stewardship at all the masses. And then we invite people to attend that following week that I'm there, attend an hour meeting to learn more about stewardship. And then I just, for an hour, unload it on different practical tools that people can use on stewardship. And I will tell you what, what, here's what happens. We'll have groups as small as 20 people. We'll have groups as, as much as 125 people show up. But from each of these meetings, we'll get a group of five to 20 people that want to start a stewardship committee. Right. And then, then mm. I, then I literally meet with them. So I'm, right now I'm working with three parishes in St. Louis. I, we go to, I have a month, we have a monthly meeting, the monthly stewardship meeting, and I help them build a stewardship plan specifically for their parish, right? It's not just an off the shelf type of thing, but what are the, mm-hmm. what, what are the things we want to work on? And we build a plan to do that. And then we nice. walk with them. So this is the parish leadership meetings, the spiritual gift inventories, all these other tools. And so then through my connection here with the archdiocese, I can bring the breadth of tools and things of other people into the parish, right? Mm-hmm. We get a whole thing going. That's how it works. But but really the key 
is in this first talk that I do with, with people that show up is talking the difference between personal stewardship and parish stewardship. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this is really the key. Our parish stewardship isn't going to work unless we internalize all this stuff. Unless I'm a, unless I'm a, I'm a example of prayer, mm-hmm. unless I'm an example of participation, unless I'm a, an example of generous uh, giving, if I'm not taking that to the, the committee meetings, bad fruit. <laughs> it ain't going to work. So I give them three specific things in, in personal stewardship under prayer. We give them, uh, I read that uh, Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic, Matthew Kelly, when I first mm-hmm. joined 10 years ago. In there, he's got a, a prayer process. I yeah. love it. Beautiful. Right. And, yeah. and, we, and he's actually let us, we pass it out to everybody. And there's a zillion prayer processes. But the idea is give somebody a concrete way to pray. And if you look at that Matthew Kelly one, two reasons why I love it. The first step is gratitude. You mm-hmm. simply thank God for everything you're you're thankful for, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to talk in your own words. It's not a written prayer, right. just like we're talking. So yeah, I yeah. talk to God. This is the easiest way to pray. If you can just teach people, just thank God for what you're grateful for, you will be praying all day long. It won't stop. You will yeah. be praying. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is participation. We talk about sharing our faith. I give them a few tips on how really easy it is to share your faith. So you give people questions, because if I said to you, okay, guys, uh, share your faith with me, you're like, what the, but if you give them kind of little thought starters, well, how do I pray? What are things that I participate in? How am I kind of a stewardship thing? Mm-hmm. They're, they're building their story and they don't really know they're building their story. You, you can't yeah. almost trick them into it, right? Right. Well, you help them see how easy it is and exactly. demystify it. Yeah. Exactly. And they've, and they've got all these wonderful stories. And then the third part is I have found many people come to the Catholic church. How, how should I give my charitable giving? They're looking for guidance in the Catholic church on charitable giving. We don't give it to them. Mm-hmm. So we developed this guide on the first side is kind of the spiritual giving as part of our faith. On the back side is a worksheet of all the giving opportunities, right? And, and it's simply mm-hmm. this, how much do I make in a year? What do I give now? Most Catholics give 1%. Let's start, we're, let's, we pray, we talk to our spouse, we're going to give 2%. I multiply my family income times, say 2%, that's going to mm-hmm. give me a finite number. Then I simply break over uh, your offertory, your annual Bishop's Appeal, your annual capital campaign, your second collections, all your uh, other things you give to. I simply divide this money up over these categories. Literally in four minutes, I could sit with somebody and help them develop a giving for next year. And it would take less than four minutes. And the beauty of it is the Pope didn't call them. Your bishop didn't call them. So we give them three practical tools on prayer, faith sharing, and money. And when they get these things, they're like, oh, I can do this. This is the key. Dave, can you share those with us? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Share those with us. We will put those in the show notes just for people as an inspiration and, and an example. Yeah, when, when I, I will I will send this to you, and they they are simple. And, and honestly, guys, I would be happy if you ever wanted to do a Zoom. This is really easy to go yeah. through, and once you do it, you can start showing other people how to do it. But especially with the money, especially with the money, because for most people, God and money run yeah. neck and neck. Yeah. Right. So when I can help put God in the right order first, <laughs> right, everything else falls into place. Dave. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Our our time has flown flown by. Yeah, really. I mean, I always say thank you. Thank you for yeah. time. But like, really, with with all sincerity, thank you 
for, I mean, your story and just for the way you are integrating stewardship and evangelization and forming disciples. You would think, I mean, you know, to listen to you talk, it's like, yeah, this is all common sense, but it's not common practice. Well, it's not common practice, right? It's not common practice. But you are, you're helping to lay a, a foundation, just a very practical integration for, yeah, frankly, parts of our lives that we tend to separate. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. My pleasure. And God bless your work. And Brian Miller's a good friend and all the folks in St. Louis go cards. There's really no, there's really no competition here in Nebraska. So <laughs> you, you all are red. We can, we can cheer for the Cardinals. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time, uh, Jim and Tom. I appreciate it. And if I can help, let me know. Awesome, Dave. Thank you. All right, everybody. I just want to challenge you. You know, somebody who needs to hear this, somebody who has a heart for evangelization, but hasn't integrated stewardship into it, or someone who has a heart and a need for stewardship, but has forgotten the evangelization and discipleship component. So wait till you stop driving. Don't try and do it while you're driving. Make sure you got the dog tied up, but like pause and share this out with a friend. Thanks for listening, everybody.